is uh, something, it's an event that we have with our Gateway San Jose campus team called Culture School. We do this every once in a while and just kind of repaint the white fence of culture and values. So today we're gonna to take a big piece of our culture as a church and talk through one of our, what we call master values, that big master value called a church for what? Do you guys remember what the rest of it is? A church for? A church for all people. We have three master values actually. One is a church for all people. One is inspiring, transformed lives. And the last one is moving forward together. But that first master value um, has a lot of values underneath it. And I think maybe the, the reason why it's important is because every great team has great values driving it. Mm -hmm. They have purpose, they have direction, they know where they're going, and they know why they're going there. So you don't just become a great team just because you have great players. We certainly have great people on this team. But another layer of that is that everybody has the same thing in mind. And that's maybe where I'd like to start is the why. They say, don't start with the what, start with the why. Because the why is more interesting and the why helps us put together. Why do we have values? Why, why have we put together values as a staff and why are we talking about it today? Let me just uh, address that briefly and then we'll get to the values. First of all, our values are important because they keep us growing and they keep us developing. If you don't have a target, if you don't know what you're reaching for, everybody just kind of is pretty happy with where they are and there's no stretch, there's no reach, uh, there's no growth. And it's never about being perfect. Ministry is never about being perfect. Aren't you glad about that? Because mm -hmm. we're not gonna get there. That's not gonna happen. And P.S., perfect is overrated. Can I just see that? It, it's over-celebrated, over-fantasized, over. It's a, perfect is pretty much out of reach, but what we can have is we can have purpose that we all agree on and that we're striving toward. So we can be growing toward and developing toward uh, that goal that we have. And then another reason why we have values is because values really define the future that we all want. It's a picture of where we'd like to be. One little kid said, Daddy, they were driving down the road and he said, Daddy, where are we gonna be when we get where we're going? And that's a really good question for all of us. Where are we going to be when we grow up, when we get where we're going? What does that look like? So values really bring detail and uh, texture to the future that we all want to experience. And here's one last reason why values are important. Values are important because they shape our decisions. Think about this, guys. Every single one of us make decisions every day. Our people make decisions every day. We make decisions as, as a team of ministers, as leaders, as workers in the kingdom of God. Uh, we make decisions as parents. We make decisions as spouses, as citizens. We make all kinds of decisions every day. So what? how do we know that we're making a right decision? What's the, what's the thing that could help us get our decisions right and make better decisions. It's values. Because mm -hmm. we make our decisions based on values. And I don't care if you're a teenager. I don't care if you're a mom. I don't care if you're a pastor. What, whatever role, whatever 
endeavor you're involved in, you're going to be making a lot of decisions and you need something in front of you that's helping guide those decisions, Mm -hmm. especially if you're making family decisions or you're making church ministry decisions or department decisions. You've got to be guided. So when you don't know what to do, values are the thing that we all come back to and say, okay, I'm not sure what to do, but I know what I believe. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good. I know... I know what's important and I know where I want to be. And that starts to, that puts a rudder on the boat. It mm-hmm. puts it puts a compass in our hand and helps us uh, move in the right direction. A bonus reason why we have values is because they unite us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one great thing about having a playbook of values, which our church has, is that it draws us closer together. So we have a lot to agree on. Now, there there might be things in this room that we disagree on, that we see differently because we're all coming from different places. Mm-hmm. But when we have a, a playbook of values, even if we don't agree on every play, we know who we are and we know what we're trying to do mm-hmm. and we're all going in the same direction. And what that does is it takes people that are young and old and rich and poor and educated and uneducated and experienced and inexperienced. And it brings them all together on the same page where they can say, you know what, I'm different than you, but I can work with you because I have the same values. All right. I'm not crazy about your hair or I may not like your, you know, who you voted for, or uh, I may not be down with you on the issue of the day, but at the end of the day, we have the same values. We're in agreement and we're able to move together. So those are, some of the reasons why we do that. And every time we repaint the white fence of values, mm-hmm. we're making, we're, we're saying we're making a decision. We are making a deliberate choice to focus on together as a team, what's important to us and what kind of effect we're going to have on the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We agree that as a ministry, we're going to have a certain kind of an effect on the world. We're going to see lives changed. Amen. Yeah. And so we agree on that. We're going to build churches. And what kind of churches are we going to build? We're going to build a church for all people. So that kind of starts to give. And if we lose that, guys, if we lose our values, we lose our direction. Mm-hmm. We lose our, you know, when I, I can talk about America today, America has certain values. I'm worried right now. I'm concerned for America because it seems like we can't agree on our values and we don't, right. we don't know what the values are anymore. Yeah. And we're fighting it. And, and what happens is it's not just that we lose harmony. We lose our American vision. We lose our, what is it we're trying to be? What's, mm-hmm. our, what's our nation all about? <clears throat> so coming back to values really steadies the boat and really gives us direction. Mm-hmm. So that master value, that first one, a church for all people. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna break those down uh, together here across the panel. I have Pastor Kerry Stewart. I have Pastor Jordan Canastracy. I have Pastor Chris Cobb, and I have Pastor John Headley here on this panel. And you're gonna hear their voices in just a minute, and then we'll be able to interact. But let me do two things before we go there. We're a church, so I want to talk about what's a church, and then I want to talk about all people. And what does that look like? Because that's, that's a tricky statement, actually, when you think about it. And we need to really understand what that means, and our values will help us there. So first of all, what's a church? Well, a church isn't a hospital. 
although it's kind of a hospital. A church isn't an army, but it's kind of an army. A church is a family, but it's not exactly a family. What is a church? If, if you're thinking specifically about theology, ecclesiology, a church is a gathering of believers properly constituted according to the New Testament. And they worship. And they have fellowship. And they have mission together. They, they reach out together. They equip the saints, a church does. Uh, they take communion. They baptize. They, and if you take any of those things out of church, it's not church. You have community group or you have fellowship or whatever. But only a church does it all. And what we're not trying to be is something other than a church. We're not trying to end world hunger. We'd love to see that happen right? Uh, we'd love to see justice everywhere. That's, I think that's important as well. There's so many causes and so many things, but we're not picking up those mantles as our primary calling. Our primary calling is to be the church of Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. which means worship, fellowship, discipleship, equipping, and outreach, <clears throat> and that we're properly constituted according to the New Testament pattern and that pattern is pretty specific. So it's, we're not just a mission. We're a body called a church, and that's super important. We are a club in a way because <laughs> we love each other, but we're more than a club. And we are a hospital in a way, but we're much more than a hospital. Uh, we are a family for sure, but we're more than a family. It's mm -hmm. all those things put together. We're an army, right? But we're not just an army. It's all those things put together that it could take a long time to explain what a church is. But just to settle this in your heart, we're not trying to be all things to all people. We're trying to be a church. Right. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that's where we work. This is our mission. This is our calling. This is our, and boy, I'm glad that we are together in this calling. This is the right mission right now. Mm -hmm. Because you think about how dark the days are. I mean, it's crazy how weird the world is. And I keep opening my iPad to the news page looking for some good news. But man, it's been a long time hmm. since there's been a really great report or a really great story. There's so much darkness, so much discouragement, so many fights, so many people upset with other people that we are right now as a church maybe the brightest spot mm -hmm. in people's lives. Yeah. And when we get together in life group or rehearsal time or Sunday service or whatever our youth group or whatever it is, when we get together, that might be the most positive experience a person has had all week long. Mm -hmm. And we're nurturing people's faith. And this is so the right task so important for us to build a great church because of what it brings, not just to our people, our community, but to our city and to the kingdom of God. It's a super high honor to labor with Jesus in, in the area of a church. So think about church, but then think about a church for all people. Now that's where it gets complicated and we're not trying to make it complicated. It's really a beautiful thought. It's a thought of beauty. We want everyone. We want to reach everyone. We're not just trying to reach young people. We're not just trying to reach Silicon Valley. We're not just trying to reach. We'd love to reach 
everybody. But this is more than a cry for reaching large numbers of people. It's not about quantity. And it's not really the same as the contemporary cry for diversity. Mm-hmm. This is different. Because there's a, there's, a, there's a message out there that I think is a good message, that society should be multicultural and should be multi. And of course, we, we believe that. But in saying we're a church for all people, really, we can't be a church for all people. We can't speak Russian here, right? Can't really be a Russian-speaking church. We can't really be a Vietnamese-speaking church. What we're saying is we're not trying to, we're not trying to be everything to everyone. What we're really saying is about Jesus and what he came to do. Mm-hmm. When we say a church for all people, it's not, don't think just multicultural and don't think as many people as we can. And don't think about specific people groups that we've got to definitely reach. What we're saying in that is what Jesus came to do is for everyone. Mm-hmm. Because everyone is broken. Mm-hmm. Everyone is sinful. Everyone needs God. Can I have an amen on that? Mm-hmm. And the gospel which is our message, is good news for all people. Jesus is the answer for all people. Whatever language they speak, whatever generation they're a part of, whoever they voted for, the gospel will guide them and reunite them with God. And that is, that's what I mean when we say a church for all people. All people are broken. All people are sinful. The gospel is good news for all people. Jesus died for all people. Mm -hmm. So therefore, we can't be a church for some people. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. We have to be a church for all people. And it it is a cultural note that implies a certain amount of tolerance and unity. A church for all people is a church for generations that don't look like me or skin tones that don't look like me, or languages or backgrounds or educational uh, grids that don't look like me. It's a cry for tolerance and to make sure that we're not a narrow place. Mm -hmm. If you dress like me, if you talk like me, if you're approximately my age, then you're welcome here. Mm -hmm. That can't be it. Mm -hmm. If you look like me, if you speak my language, then you matter. But if you're outside of that narrow range, you don't really matter. You should find another Mm -hmm. church. We always have to be opening the door, opening the door wider uh, for people to come in. So that's just a little bit about what it means in my mind um, to be a church for all people. And by the way, we can't do it all. We can't have on Sunday morning Russian music, Vietnamese music, uh, Vietnam, you know, Korean food. We, we can't do that. So what do we do? We try to make our culture as inviting to as many people as we can all at once, right? But we're not trying to strike every note out there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. We're just trying to open the door as wide as we can and be filled with as much love as we can for people of every generation and every background. And hopefully that thing called that thing called love and that person called Jesus will be enough mm. to unite us uh, together. 
Every church has a personality. We don't mind having a certain personality. We just want it to be as big a personality, mm -hmm. as welcoming a personality as we possibly can. But let's not put on ourselves something that Jesus isn't putting on us, which is that we have to be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. We can't quite do that. We live in a very, uh, a very diverse world. What we can do is be a diverse family. And in that, be a place for everyone. Is that making sense? All right. So that's a church for all people. And uh, the first value, and I'm going to take the first value, and then I think Pastor Kerry is going to take the second one. The first value that we have under that master value of a church for all people is following Jesus. Everybody say following Jesus. Following Jesus. Does anybody know another word for following Jesus? Is there another word? Discipleship, right? Okay, that, that concept of following Jesus is super important, especially when you open that door super, super wide. And if you have uh, traditional church people coming in the door and then you have uh, people that are involved in uh, gender confusion coming through the door, and then you have people that are involved in sexual brokenness coming through the door, and you have a young generation and an older generation and everybody's coming in the door mm -hmm. and some people are coming from a Buddhist background and some people are coming from a, a Catholic background. Uh, I, I, what do we do when we all get in the same room? And the answer is we follow Jesus. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's the key. And that's another way a church is very different than an ecumenical thing like, you know, your truth, my truth, and all of that. We are, we are, uh, I like this phrase that I think Steve Merle shared. We are relationally flexible, but we are doctrinally firm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So with our, with our relationships with people, everybody's welcome. Mm. But what we're not, what we're not going to do is, is, is turn the mic over to somebody who wants to talk about how Buddha changed their life or how Muhammad's changing their life or how Oprah changed their life or whoever the guru is. We've got a Bible. Jordan's mm -hmm. going to Pastor Jordan's going to talk about that. We've got a calling and it's to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so important. Let's take a really tricky one right now and let's get real. Okay. Let's talk about people that are sexually confused. Let's talk about people that are in what they call a gay lifestyle or coming from a gay background or whatever. Some people get very nervous when I say we're a church for all people and gay people are welcome here. That would make, <laughs> that would make some people very nervous. Why? Because they're worried that I'm backing off of scripture or I'm backing off of the clear message of the gospel, but I'm not. What I'm saying is the door is open wide come and join us as we follow Jesus. So what is our message to a person uh, who's struggling with their sexuality or what? Our message is let's follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. Because the bottom line is if you're a gay person or you're coming out of a gay lifestyle, you're not the only broken person. Right. Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> we're, all, we're, all, we're all broken, That's right? So, good. so maybe your flavor of brokenness is different than my flavor of brokenness, but the bottom line is there's nobody that doesn't need to be repaired. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's nobody that doesn't need to be healed. Mm -hmm. So we're all standing yeah. at level ground at the foot of the cross. Mm -hmm. And if your issue is, uh, do I have to leave a gay lifestyle? I would say, do I have to leave a violent lifestyle? 
Do I have to leave a hateful, unforgiving lifestyle? Do I? We all have stuff we got to mm-hmm. share, right? right? And it may sound like a lot to say to a person, follow Jesus and let him tell you who you are and get your identity from him because they're holding on to a different identity. But in the end, what they're getting, what every one of us is getting is the same thing. We're getting Jesus. Mm-hmm. We're getting eternal life. We're getting the kingdom of God. So we're all laying down our hate, our prejudice, our hangups, our hurts. We're laying it all down to embrace what Jesus will give us as we follow him. Mm-hmm. And that to me is super, super important in this whole idea of a church for all people. And what do we do? We're following Jesus. Is that making sense? Amen. All right. So that's the first one. And then Pastor Kerry, you've got another value that, that falls under a church for all people. Right. So, so the value I'm going to talk about is a loving community. Um, I think the you hear the term loving community, it's kind of implied like, okay, so that's pretty easy. It's a loving community. I know what that is, but let me tell you what a loving community is not. We are not a loving community just because we gather together. Hmm. So just because we come into the auditorium and we worship together and we do (laughs) church together, that doesn't make us a loving community. Gathering together is not community. Community is all about the connection. So that's the piece that I want to focus on. It means that we're to be in a loving community means that we are connected to each other. Mm. That's what it means. It means that we're invested in each other. It means that we we've gotten to know each other. We're in each other's lives. Mm -hmm. We're not just doing things in our own lane. And we talked about staying in our own lane last Sunday and boundaries are important, but it's not about walking parallel with people. It's about intersecting with people. Mm-hmm. It's crossing paths. It's learning about them. It's growing together. It's being strength and getting strength from community. That's what it's all about. And the why for that, why are we, why are we wanting to be a loving community? It's not just because we, talk, we hear about it in Acts and how Jesus has asked us to be the church. We know that's a big part of it. But the reason a loving community is so important is because in a loving community, everybody can grow. Yeah. That's the whole point of being together. We don't want to grow by ourselves. And I read an article, this was a couple years ago, that I thought was so strong. It really shaped my thought about community. And in a, if you look at a picture of a forest, you see a whole bunch of trees. They have termed the idea of trees growing together in a forest as community. Mm. And the reason they do that is because trees that grow in a forest specifically, doesn't matter what kind of tree you are, if you're growing alongside other trees, they don't just put their roots down they grow out. Mm-hmm. They grow into each other. Wow. So they, their roots wow. start to intertwine. That's they start good. to connect. Yeah. And if you're ever walking around and you see, let's say by yourself, you know, you just see a stump of a tree, they would term that tree to be dead. Mm-hmm. If it were just by itself, it were cut down and it's just a stump, anybody would look at that and say, that tree is dead. But actually in a forest, if you found a stump of a tree, they would say that tree is not dead. And the reason is because its roots are connected mm. to the trees around mm. them. So if a tree is broken, if a tree is, is messed up by the elements, if there's a hurricane, something happens, or if a tree gets sick, if its roots are entangled with trees around them, it actually draws wow. nutrients and it draws resources from the trees that that's it's so growing good. with. And that's like so strong because that's exactly how it is for us. We're supposed to grow together. We're supposed to grow with each other. And it's all of it, it takes all of us working together to love people. 
right? It takes all of us growing together. So if we come in broken, we've got the resources of the people that we're growing with that pour into our lives, that help us when we're down. And it's mm. that connection that keeps us strong. When we're by ourselves, we don't have those resources. We're not connected to others, but when we're together, we are. And I think of a really great example of that is I think of the family in our church, the Dinga family. I love mm -hmm. the Dinga family, mm -hmm. Randy and Jessica. They're so close to my heart. They actually started here with just Jessica. She started in our youth group. Yeah. <laughs> she was a pregnant teenager coming in and just, and found God and was, they were, she was connected to pastors, Albert and Jenny. Yeah. And she left the church, was gone for about 10 years. She came back and entered into YoPro and says, I came here about 10 years ago and I knew that God loved me because I was in this community. Hmm. She says, so I want to come back. I need, I have a family now. I have a, a boyfriend. I don't know what my life holds. I want to teach my children. So I started to grow with her. I connected her to our YoPro leaders. Pretty soon her husband comes, her now husband, he comes in, her boyfriend listens to Pastor David's sermon. He gives his heart to Jesus. And now he's connected in. And then they bring their children. They all get baptized. They meet with Pastor John. They all get baptized. Every one of them get baptized. Then they connect in with the Goodsons. They're serving in youth. They're connected in children's ministry. And I'm looking across and I'm going, oh my gosh, this is a family that got connected in to yeah. community. community yeah. right. They're all flourishing. And it's not because they're only connected to me or they're only connected to one of you. It's because they're connected to all of us and they're drawing on the resources and the strength that this community provides. And that's what it's all about. So my, my encouragement to all of us and my kind of my charge to, to each of us, including myself, let's, encourage, let's continue to grow with the people around us. Don't do something that I, I've done before. If, if we know somebody, let's say they're serving on Pastor April's team, don't just say, you know, Pastor April's got him. Right. I don't need to get to know them. I don't need to know. We all need each other. They need what you have. I need what you have. You need what I have. We want to be connected. Let's start growing with people on the left and the right of us. No matter whose team they're on, we don't care what they're doing. We want to get to know them right. as people. We want to know their story. We want to grow with them and be that forest, be that community that draws resources from each other. So mm. a question for us, and I know we're going to, we'll talk about this and, and maybe we could do this after is what has been, been, what about being in a loving community has meant the most to you? Mm. It's important that we're able to talk about that. What has it done for you personally in your own lives? And then how can you take one step closer in growing in community around you? What can you do? Who can you get to know? Who are you sitting next to on Sunday? Can you walk you know, a little slower through the halls? What can you do differently mm -hmm. to, to take that extra step to grow? Yeah. Excellent. All right. There's another value to this master value of church for all people, and that is going to be shared by Pastor Jordan. Gosh, that was so good, Pastor Kerry. Um, so, so the next value that I'm going to be talking about for a few minutes is we are biblically faithful. We are biblically faithful, and I love this one so much. It's such a good value for us. And I think that probably, um, you know, at, at first, it's like, it's like, well, of course. But, you know, I was surprised to learn at a certain point in my walk that everybody who calls themselves Christian is not biblically faithful. Right. They pick and they choose and they, you know take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and they you know what I mean and it's all based on feeling right it's based on what makes me feel good what works for me in this moment right now so so why are we biblically faithful and of course I could share a thousand verses but I'm just going to give you Isaiah 40 verse 8 
The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. forever. So why are we biblically faithful? Because as good as our words and our thoughts may be, our thoughts or our words cannot renew anyone's mind. Our words, right. our thoughts cannot light anyone's path. Mm -hmm. Our words, our thoughts, people can't build their lives on the firm foundation of my thoughts. <laughs> That's good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. And our words can't make people healthy. You know, in, in other words, if people want to grow, as Pastor Kerry was saying, it's so important for them to be in community, but it's also important for their, for their minds to be planted in the soil, in good soil. And the good soil that we have to plant our minds in is the Word of God. Remember in school, writing a big paper, like a research paper, um, and... Maybe it was maybe it was on on a certain subject, and your teacher or your professor, at least for me, they wanted you to cite three different sources, mm -hmm. right? One source wasn't good enough. When you made a point, you had to have three different, you know, and and this is true because so and so says it, and so and so says it, and so and so says it. And by the way, they would check and see how old that source is. So is that thing you're citing 10 years old? Is it 15 years old? Could you find a newer source? So one source from 20 years ago wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. We have one source, and it is always more than enough. Right. We don't have to look to three different places. We don't have to look to a bunch of different what, what other people are saying. Yeah. You know, It's great to read. I think that's super important for us as leaders, reading books, listening to podcasts, and, but that all is, that all is extra. Mm -hmm. That all is in addition to the anchor of the word of God. When you look at the word of God, that is the only source you need. You know, the early church, they didn't have books that they could go to the library and check out. They didn't have podcasts that they could, what did they have? They had the teaching of the apostles. They had mm -hmm. the word of God. Mm -hmm. And you can read it and trust that every word is true. And isn't that so good? Anytime, every time, God's word is true. You know, you turn on the news and you hear them say something and you go, is that true? Did that really happen? I, you know, your, your kid comes home from school and they tell you about something that happened you're like, I don't know, did that really happen? Did that really happen that way? You know, you even your friend, they try to encourage you, you know, and tell you, you're so great at something. And you go, can I trust that? Is that, is that real? It's so good to be able to open your Bible anytime, anywhere, no matter what you're going through, and know this is real. Right. This is what it is. This is who I am regardless of how I feel, regardless of what's happening around me, regardless of what time of day it is, regardless of what's happening in the world, in a world where so much is, can I trust that? What can I trust? You can trust the word of God. And living without biblical principles means 
we're making up our own values. All these values, mm -hmm. every other value that we have, we haven't just conjured that up. Where, mm -hmm. where does all that come from? That comes from the word of God. Mm -hmm. So how we run our church. So living without biblical principles means that we're making up our own values, and that's a really scary area to be in. And that's what we see it, like Pastor David mentions a little bit earlier. You know, America, we're losing our values because, you know, at one point, America's values were based on biblical principles. And now we're getting away from that, you know. So, so a person or an organization or a church or a group or a community that does not have uh, always true values, they're going to change and therefore the target's going to change. Living without biblical principles means we're making up our own values and culture decays with changing values. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that. People get weird when they make their own values. Mm -hmm. Okay. If I had to just make up my own, like, what do I want to do or where do, where do I want to point my life? I'm so glad that I don't have to do that on my own, that I don't have to just decide for myself who I am or where my life is aimed. Because if I, if I tried to do that as, as grounded as, as I feel that I am and as smart as I think I am, and I'll, I would still get weird. I would still get weird, you know. And also society gets worse when values change with the culture. That's another reason. You know, I mentioned earlier in Isaiah, you know, the word of God is never mm -hmm. changing, mm -hmm. never changing. That means in a hundred years, the values of the Bible will still be strong and yeah. still be true. The last thought I have and kind of the charge that I have for all of us is it's cool if we understand, it's good for us to understand that we are biblically faithful, but we have to instill that into the people that we're leading. So if yeah. it just stays in this room, um, it's, it, it's going to die with us. Mm -hmm. It's going to die with us. Yeah. So we have to teach our flock to be biblically faithful. That means when we're talking to our people, our thoughts are probably good. Our experiences are probably good. Our wisdom is, is probably good. But point them to right. what does the word of God say? You know, use your experience, great. Use your wisdom, great. Use your stories, great. But it has to be anchored in what does the word of God say? And even if we understand that what we're speaking out of is, is biblical principles, it's a good idea to say it to them to show them our value. Hey, mm -hmm. let's look at the word of God together. One of the most important gifts we can instill into the people we're leading is a word that that we've, you know, the culture has lost and I'd like the church to bring it back. Reverence. Mm. Reverence for the word of God. Mm. Let's teach our people reverence for the word of God. Excellent. This this goes across, can you feel the grind of this though a little bit? This is really tough. If you're talking about talking to unsaved people and we've got this Bible, the reason it's tough is because pretty much the whole world has decided they are their own authority. It used to be that you could say truth is the source of our authority, but now 
My truth is different than your truth. Right. Yeah. And that's what makes this tough. So we stand up strong and we say, we are not our own authority. Mm -hmm. We are not deciding this for ourselves. God is our maker. Yeah. And his word, the reason that his word is trumps every other opinion is because we are not our own authority. Yeah. To follow Jesus means to accept I'm not my own authority. Mm -hmm. I have a God. I have a Lord. I have a master. Yeah. And this is his word. So <clears throat> excellent job. We're opening the door wide mm -hmm. as a family, as a community, as a church for all people. But we're, you can see where it starts to get narrow when you say mm -hmm. now it's about Jesus. Mm -hmm. yeah. And now it's about his authority in our lives. Mm. Now you're, now it's like you're separating the men from the boys, mm -hmm. but we can't lose those values because if we say we're about morals or um, yeah, just the man upstairs, you know, pretty much we just <laughs> want to be together and we really will lose. Yep. We really will lose. Everything. All right. Pastor Chris has got the next value. Pastor had asked me to share about uh, <clears throat> being spirit empowered. Holy Spirit empowered. And uh, so what I wanted to just share just for a few minutes is not only the why, but the how. Mm. Not only the why, because why, we could, we could you know, read a book, we can get the academics behind it, and I just jotted down you know, seven different reasons here real quick as to why we need to be spirit empowered and have that as one of the values so that we can make a transformational difference in people's lives we can see that that's the source of God's very presence, amen? Mm. And it's the source of revival, uh, God's power, his grace, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, overcoming darkness. We could have a discussion as to why this needs to be so important. Mm. I wanna kinda come at it from a different approach because there's so many different ways of approaching it. But paint a picture with me here of a Gateway Community Church, not only here, but all the different locations that is empowered by the Holy Spirit, mm. and the people have a passion for the Holy Spirit to be empowering the local church. So to begin with, think on a scale of one to 10, this is a question, everybody think about this. What is your confidence level of your ability today to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit mm. to lead and guide you? Mm. Number one. Number two, today, what is your confidence level of the gifts that God has given you and your ability to give those to other people, to impart those to people. Mm. So stop and think about that. So we got the why. Let me kind of shift a little bit as to the how. And the reason this is so important is I want to tell you about Agnes. Agnes was an 18-year-old young lady in 1901. She was the first one to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues in Charles Parnham's Bible School. Charles Parnham was one of the leaders mm -hmm. of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit 120 years ago. Hmm. Agnes was the very first, a young lady hungered for the empowering of the Spirit. She received it, and more people received it. And another student, his name was William Seymour, mm. he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and he went to Azusa Street, and led that outpouring. And so you see this massive outpouring of the Holy Spirit that changed the future of the church 120 years ago and the results of that around the world. Hmm. And what has happened, though, you can pinpoint Azusa. And I was reading, I forget the author, Pastor David, but I was reading an author how he pinpointed 
different revivals throughout the centuries. And he pointed out that usually the second generation after an outpouring, only about 40% of the people follow in that same anointing. Mm. The third generation, only 3% follow in that anointing. So when we say spirit-empowered, mm -hmm. what does that mean to us? Because for a lot of churches, it's just become academic. Mm -hmm. A lot of churches, it's gotten you know almost watered down. I know churches that were birthed in revival. Mm -hmm. You go there today, and you'd be hard-pressed maybe once a year to see some, some resemblance of the Holy Spirit working. And so here's a question today, and I don't know if we we're taking questions now, Pastor, or later on, Whatever or if we're passing the mic here. Here's this question. We say we're spirit-empowered. Here's a question to think about. How do we continue on having that same passion for the pouring out of the spirit and the anointing, and how, to pre how do we prevent just that gradual decline where we live off the previous generations? Mm. See, God forbid we should live off of just Apostle C's anointing from generations past. Right. That's what I like about Pastor mm -hmm. David. The first time I visited Evangel, it was during a prophetic presbytery. Blew me away. Somewhere along the line, some people are engaging the Lord in his passion. So that was just a question here. I don't know. We, we, we're really out of time here. Uh, but the question is, is, how do we continue on in that passion and in that empowering of the Holy Spirit so it just doesn't become academic. Mm. We have to take it seriously, personally, every day mm -hmm. to stir ourselves up yeah. in the Holy Spirit. Like Jude says, mm -hmm. pray in the Holy Spirit yeah. every day. That's so good. I'd say that dovetails with what Pastor Jordan said. We're firm. Yeah. Good. Anyone else? I um. My thought on that and what I'm seeing in my life is is uh, really getting into deep times of prayer. Mm -hmm. You know, if if we want to see the Spirit empower us, prayer is so powerful. We have to have like, we have to have our our quiet time, and in that quiet time. I think we have to ask him. We have to tell God, the Holy Spirit, that we want to see him move. Yeah. Yeah. I know we're running out of time here, but my question is, is do we have another Agnes that's in the youth group or in the children's ministry? And how are we going to continue to prepare not only our generation, but in the generations to come, that value of ongoing, equipping, empowering of the Holy Spirit. Let's not take it for granted, but it's something that we need to really hold dear and, and really covet. Amen? Yeah. Amen. That's a big amen from me. Yeah. Come on. We want it. We don't ever want to be that dead church, lifeless church, or church that has the theology of Holy Spirit, but not the practice. Yeah. So we, that's, that's big stuff. That's what a great value. Pastor John, you got the last one. Okay. This, uh, you can hear me? Okay. <laughs> Uh, this last value for is called everyone matters. Do you believe everyone matters? Mm -hmm. Do you really believe it? 
Mark 12, we know about the widow's mite, where mm -hmm. she put in two little things, but I, I'll, mm -hmm. if I was a betting man, I would bet the disciples didn't even notice it till Jesus brought it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, probably still don't know her name. Mm. Now in heaven they do. How about the boy's lunch at Galilee in Matthew mm. 16? Because mm. the disciples are saying, we have this. Mm -hmm. Anyone know the boy's name? Of course, we do know Zacchaeus in the tree. <laughs> he had to climb up to see, and, you know, nobody really wanted him because he was a working for the Romans. <laughs> so he was kind of like <clears throat> the other side. <laughs> but Jesus called him. Mm. Pilate. Jesus was trying to reach Pilate. There was a spot in John 18 where Pilate asked him a question, and Jesus said, are you asking for yourself? Mm. Or mm. Jesus stopped this whole thing mm. to minister to Pilate, who didn't catch it. Wow. But Jesus stopped to minister to him. John 3.16 Whosoever believes. First Corinthians twelve fourteen. The body consists of many members. And this orphan in the book of Esther, her name was Esther Hadassah. She was told, you know. For such a time as this, mm -hmm. this could be really, really important. You could really matter. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I went online, and there's an Everyone Matters Incorporated, and that is in the culture now. Uh, out in the world, the culture is Everyone Matters. Isn't that interesting? And in this particular one, they care about the addict and the mental illness that they need to matter more to people. Mm -hmm. And then there's Everyone Matters Ministry. It's about transitional housing mm -hmm. for people who are going from homeless to somewhere until they can get something. Because everyone matters. And then there's a book by Bob Chapman and Raj Sisodia, and uh, Bob Chapman is the, you know, um, the love languages mm -hmm. fame. Oh, yeah. And they, they're doing a business modeling for leadership, and this is their thing. Meet the needs of your employees. Trust their decisions. Create an inspirational vision of, of hope for the group. And then, some people know Simon Sinek, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and his business model is the why first, because it's coming from the limbic system, which is a center of the brain where, what do I feel? What's, 
what's the bottom line for me? And then going into the how and then the what. So black lives do matter, everyone. Blue lives do matter, mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. Babies' lives matter, everyone. Mm -hmm. Elderly people' lives matter, everyone. The top 1% matter, everyone. The sick matter. The poor matter. What do we say? You know, how, how do we play this out? Yes, I know everyone matters. <laughs> but what do we say here? Mm -hmm. What do we say here and maybe elsewhere? We could say, I care about you. <laughs> we can say that actually mm -hmm. out loud. Right. You are important to God. Mm -hmm. You're important to Gateway. And you're important to me. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't just have to stay in this room. Right? Right. Because this is culture school. What do we do? Well, we can sit with someone for lunch that we normally don't sit with. You know? The techies tend to sit with the techies. The children's department sits with the children's department. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, the... The exorcists sit with the exorcists, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and, and, and really, it's like we can make a choice to be a little bit uncomfortable to expand yeah. the care. It's good. Any questions? Comments? I love your storytelling style. <laughs> um, I I love what you said, Pastor John. I think right at the end, it's it's important for all of us to get comfortable pushing past the feeling of being uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I think it's easy for us to just kind of ignore that and just push past it, um, and not have an opportunity to allow God to use us to touch someone's life, but also for that person to touch our life. Because it's not just Ooh. what we can do for someone else, you know, we're, we're servants. And so um, for us to sit with somebody we don't normally sit with, even in the church, you know, people that come alone and sit before the service because they have nobody mm -hmm. else that they're coming with to church. Um, and for us to walk up to them and sit with them and say, how did you hear about Gateway? Tell me your story. Mm -hmm. Can really change change the direction of their mm -hmm. lives. So thank you for saying that. Ways of communicating that you matter. How do we, how would we, how would we communicate? Because we all agree, right? That everybody matters. How do we communicate that? Our attention, mm -hmm. yeah. our time, our kindness, anything else? Mm -hmm. Listening. Listening. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Nothing says you matter mm -hmm. like me shutting up. And opening my ears. <laughs> yeah. I think remembering, too, things that they say. So if a couple of weeks ago they were going in for a doctor's appointment, walking up and say, how did that go? Right. I've been praying for you. Right. Shows that you really care. Absolutely. And that they matter to you. Right. Right. That's good. These are the values that keep us on track. These are the values that stand behind that idea of yeah. a church for all people. We are biblically faithful 
We are focused on Jesus. We're following Jesus. Everybody matters. We're spirit-empowered. We're a community. We're a family. We're about relationships. All of that really says everybody's welcome here, but we have a purpose, mm. and we have a calling, and we want to get where we're going. If we lose these values, we lose ourselves, yeah. we lose our future, and we lose what God has called us to do. So let's cling to the values, internalize them, live them out, and share them out. When you are gathering your uh, team, when you're praying together, take a minute and just review a value, share a value. When you're correcting someone that messed up or got it wrong, don't just tell them you disapprove. Just say, here's why doing it different would matter because we have a value that everybody matters. We can't mistreat people. We can't refer to Buddha. <laughs> we can't just be about our own. We can't do a 45-minute message with no scripture right? <laughs> because we have values, right? And our values drive us forward. Thank you for being a part of Culture School. And uh, I think we'll take this and keep having this conversation in other dimensions and in other ways. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Gateway Leadership Podcast with David Kenneth Tracy, inspiring you to lead in every area of life. We'll be releasing a new episode every month, so be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next month.